Bless you, ever-living God, for the acts of love by which you have redeemed the world through Jesus Christ our Lord. This day you entered the holy city of Jerusalem and were proclaimed king by those who spread their garments and palm branches along your way. Let these branches be for us signs of your victory and grant that we who bear them may always acclaim you, Jesus, as our Messiah, our Lord. We pray this through Jesus Christ, who lives, who reigns, now and forevermore. Amen. This Thursday, we have a special service, and I invite you to take notice of it, details in your bulletin. 6.30, we'll meet here for a Monday Thursday service and communion. It'll be a special time, and I invite you to make it a special time in your pilgrimage this week as you remember what Christ did for you. How many of you have ever been to the Holy Land, to Israel? Okay, several of you. Good. It's an incredible, incredible experience. In fact, when I came back from my first time going to the Holy Land, I read the Bible totally differently. It took on, if you use the vernacular of today, high definition, 3D. It became so much deeper and richer, having experienced and visualizing the people and the places of what occurred in Scriptures. And on that trip, we concluded in Jerusalem And the first view you have is from the Mount of Olives as you go west of Bethany, as Jesus did. And there you are on the Mount of Olives. And you come to the uh, convent of the Ascension, which is near the place that was believed that Christ may have ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Then looking down the mountain, you'll see the great Jewish cemetery, the holiest of Jewish cemeteries, And it is believed by the Jews that when Messiah comes, that he will set foot on the Mount of Olives. Then continuing on down the road, down the Mount of Olives, you come to a church, Dominus Flavit, which means, and he wept. And that's where Jesus prayed for the city. And that's where Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. And then you continue on down the hillside to the church of Mary Magdalene. And then on down a little bit further to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's a church there, one of my favorite churches, called the Church of All Nations. And then you look out the doors of that church, down across the Kidron Valley, and up the other slope towards Jerusalem, and there you see the walls of the Temple Mount. It's incredible. So why did I take you on that mini visual tour of the Holy Land of Jerusalem? I did that because the road that I just took you on is the same one that Jesus walked nearly 2,000 years ago when he was on that very first Palm Sunday and the people, the throngs came out. He had come from Bethany, headed west, up the Mount of Olives, over the top, down in towards the Valley of Kidron, and then up into Zion, into Jerusalem through a surging, growing crowd that was jostling about him. Why was this ride of Jesus so distinct? Well, first of all, it was a prophecy. In Zechariah, 
the prophet Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Some 600 years before, prophesied by Zechariah that this would happen and Christ fulfilling this prophecy. It was also a fulfillment of prophecies regarding the Messiah and what that would be like. And so let me just ask you, do you think Jesus knew the Old Testament, understood the Old Testament? Yeah, probably did. And do you think that he knew what was going on and what he was doing when he rode into Jerusalem that day? Yeah, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And when he let the crowd cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna to the son of David. Did Jesus know what he was letting them say? Yeah, he did. Hosanna means pray save or save us. And who did the Jews believe was going to save them? It would be the Messiah, which was the Hebrew word for the Greek word Christ. Many of you might have thought that Jesus Christ, that was his last name, Christ. But it's a title. It's actually Jesus the Christ, most accurately. And it's referring to this role as the anointed one of God to come as the Messiah, as the Christ for his people. The people were saying they believed that he was the Messiah and they joined in the march. But how quickly it went from Hosanna, Hosanna, praise to God, to crucify him, crucify him. (coughs) They killed him. They buried him. Two days later, he rises from the dead. But that's a story for next week. Come on Easter Sunday. We've been in this Love Dare series talking about God's love for us and our love for one another and how we as Christians are to be, well, we're to be loving. And we've been examining this love together. So I want to ask you for a moment. We as followers of Jesus, we as followers of Messiah, we as 2,000 years later being in this triumphant parade of people declaring the Messiah, what are the unmistakable signs that we belong to this Jesus? That we have a relationship with God's Son that we belong to the Christ. How do people know Jesus is our Messiah? Well, you could say by our words, by what we say and the good news that we share, or how we act, how Christ is visible in our lives, or (coughs) by how we live our lives out. Uh, Do they know because we go to church and we're faithful in attendance Do they know by our giving habits, by our generosity to people in need around us? Do they know by our morality and how we seek to live our lives and our relationships? I hope so. I hope that's evident in each and every one of us. Because these are important signs of a lifestyle. They point out our priorities, our allegiances. They declare our God. They are signs of being a disciple of Christ. They are so important, but 
frankly, here's the rub. They can be counterfeited. And there are many, even in Jesus' day, let alone today, that copy. Many charlatans have mimicked God's word to their own advantage. Lots of people go through the motions and do many of the nice things, but they aren't really followers of Jesus. That's not their Lord. And Jesus suggests a much clearer sign, a Palm Sunday kind of sign. And what's that clear, unmistakable sign that Jesus gives us? It is love. It is love. If we don't have or do or speak or show love, it means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Who said that? The Apostle Paul, what book of the Bible? Very good. What chapter? Okay. Sure is a good thing we've got somebody over here that bold enough to speak out the answers for us that we've been studying for the last many weeks together. But if we truly love, then we've got it. I don't just think that love was Paul's greatest gift. If you recall, he was the one that was out to kill all the Christians before he encountered the living God. But John, the Apostle John, the beloved disciple, that's a different story. And he actually has several love chapters in his writings. In John chapter 15, reading verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And he goes on in verse 13 to say, greater love has no one than this, than that they lay down their life for their friends, which is exactly what Christ did a few days after that first Palm Sunday. And then in verse 17, he goes on to say, uh, here it is, Uh, this is my commandment, love each other. John had a way of, he couldn't pound the nail home with just one swing. He wanted to keep banging away at that central message, that core message. And if you turn to the passage that was read for us today, 1 John chapter 4, in verse 19, he identifies those who do not show this love for one another. He basically says, we're liars. Paul said, we're nothing. John goes so far as to say, we're liars if we don't love our brother and our sister the way God has commanded us to. And so love for whom is the basic expression that each of us needs to live out. Love one another. And who are the one another's? Well, I want you to take a moment. I want you to look at the people right around you. Just go ahead and give them a little eye contact. Look at them. Wave at them. You might not know them. You might need to say your name. Bill. Remind us. You see, some of the one another's are his followers, those that believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so the basic expression, the most basic sign of Christian love is love for one another. These, your brothers and sisters, however, can be some of the most difficult sometimes. There are church squabbles going on all the time. We looked at those people around us and, boy, I don't know them. I'm not even sure if I like them. Yeah, I feel a few of you directing that at me right now. You've got to love one another. It's the foundation, the most basic command of Jesus recorded by the writers of the New Testament. 
Love God, love one another. We need to speak and to act and behave lovingly toward one another. And you'd think that that would be the kind of easy part of our assignment, to love our Christian brothers and sisters, but as I alluded to, it's not. How easily we can break this commandment that Jesus gave to us. Love one another. But it goes beyond loving one another in Christ, those who are already Christians. Because it becomes clear in scriptures that God's command was to love all people, to love our world just as God so loved the world. And Luke adds a story in his gospel. Somebody had challenged Jesus, really trying to set up a trap for him, as was the case several times in the gospels. They set up this trap and Finally, he comes down to this core question. Okay, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And uh, I think that's an important question. A person was traveling down from Tacoma. They were walking down from Tacoma down to Sumner one day, and a bunch of thugs and hoodlums uh, beat up and robbed this poor person and left him for dead on the side of the road. Uh, I need a volunteer. Somebody that will volunteer to come up here. Uh, Greg, why don't you come on? Mike, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at Greg over here. Mike, I would like you to volunteer. <clears throat> and the good news is you aren't dead. You're just awful darn near it. Okay. okay, so just go ahead and lay here. You've been beaten and robbed. I won't do you th- that service. There, oh, yeah, good, good. A natural-born actor, you know. And so anyway, we have, uh-oh, where is it? Ah, there it is. The pastor forgot where he put his Bible. We have the covenant pastor, Bill Goodwin. I think he's at Faith Covenant Church or someplace. He walks along. He sees this poor sucker laying at the side of the road, nearly dead and so on. But, you know, I've got to preach a sermon. These people are expecting me to, and I really need to, I, I need to do something else. And then, of course, you have a little while later, as he's now closer to death, you've got one of our council members from Faith Covenant Church, and uh, they've got their notebook all ready to go on their way to a meeting, and they see this person, and they just kind of skirt around and, and avoid that person. And then there's another person. She comes along. She's Muslim. And she sees this person on the side of the road, and she takes her backpack. And oh, I've got a clean one here for you. Okay. And sees this poor guy laying here, makes a quick assessment, and decides that he needs to bandage up his wounds and so on, and so does that <clears throat> and bandages him all up. And so- I couldn't have planned that better. <laughs> and then he, she reaches into her bag to find someplace, a bottle of water to cleanse the wounds and so on, give him something to drink, great, revive him a little bit. And then comes and says, I'll put him on my donkey, except we're fresh out of donkeys today. So, we'll help him up. Good, okay. And you can just put your arm around my shoulder, and uh, I'm going to grab onto my backpack here for the Econo Lodge, or what do they call it, Sumner Southwest Hotel, or whatever it is here. Uh, And I'm going to pay the guy some money, take care of this poor dude, get him better. If you need more money, I'll stop back through town, and I'll pay off whatever's remaining. Thank you so much. You did a wonderful job. Uh, You can just leave it there. It'll it'll be fine. 
It was the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. In response to the religious person's query, who is my neighbor? And what was Jesus' answer? It was the despised Samaritan, or in this case, a Muslim woman. A long history of strife. They were labeled as half-breeds, lost. They were pagan people considered by the Jews. And the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Samaritans really didn't care for the Jews all that much. They had this constant feud kind of going on. It has a rich history in the Old Testament, and we see it lived out in the New Testament and beyond. And we're probably seeing the effects of it today in the Middle East. In fact, there was contempt. There was prejudice. There was hatred. So, fast forward 2,000 years to us today, and let me ask you, let me ask myself, who's our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? And the answer is, whoever is near you, whoever lives next door to you in your neighborhood, whoever is standing in front of you at the bank, in the bank line, whoever works next to you at your job or sits next to you in the school classroom, the big guy that sits next to you or practically on top of you in the airplane, or the IRS agent that's doing up your audit, or the opposing attorney, or the banker foreclosing on your house, or the boss handing you a pink slip, the one who is different from you. Do you get the picture? Do you get it? Some neighbors, some one another's in our life, well, they're unlovable. They're difficult. They're inconvenient. They're disruptive. And on and on our list goes. Who's our neighbor? Is it possibly some of the 1,370 names that you wrote that we're remembering in prayer and ask the Lord of the harvest this year. And if you don't know what this is about, you can pick this up out on the foyer and be praying for people that you know that you want to see come to Christ. Who was the neighbor to these persons? Basically, we read in verse 37 of Luke 10, it was the one who had mercy on them. The scriptures say that as this person came, the good Samaritan came and saw him by the side of the road, he was filled, he was flooded with compassion. It just came out of every pore. There was no other choice. The sermon can wait. You can sit here. The board meeting, we don't need to decide those decisions tonight. Compassion poured out in that moment in time. How's your mercy towards the difficult ones, the inconvenient ones? You see, whoever you are near that's in need, whoever is your neighbor, are you being a neighbor to them, flooded with compassion? Do you show and live out mercy? Would that be something people would speak of you? Do you love your world, the people of the world? Do Christians love the world of neighbors, of one another's? And I understand, it's hard. For many of us, we get kind of paralyzed, and you might be feeling that paralysis right now because you're scared. You want to stay in your comfort zone. You really don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, or so that's what we say. It's hard. 
It's overwhelming. I mean, what could one person possibly do? What, what significant impact could we make? I'm just one of me. The story is told of a man walking along a beach at a particularly low tide, and thousands of starfish are stranded by the sea. And as he walked along, he would pick up a starfish and throw it. Another person was observing him doing this and says, what difference does it make if you throw a starfish or two into the water? Look at all of these. They're going to die. And the man said, it sure made a difference to that one. And I wonder how many people of our neighbors, our one another's, it will make a tremendous difference in their life if we were to step in with the gospel. God doesn't ask you to find every victim on every road of life. Just the ones on your road of life. And mercy, he doesn't ask you to flood mercy on every person in Sumner. Just start by loving the ones on either side of you. And you don't have to stop and help everyone. Stop and help someone. It's too easy to talk about being a neighbor in the abstract. It's different to live it out and to be real. But Jesus felt it was very important, wouldn't you agree, that we love one another? So I think it should matter to us to love those around us. We must go from the seats out into the streets. We must be a church without walls, which become barriers, and we feel safe in here. We need to go and be unsafe for our Lord and allow his Holy Spirit to guide us and protect us and to be good news through us. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It happens to be the Sunday that more people will experiment with church than any other day of the year. You might invite somebody or somebodies to come with you next Sunday to one of our three services. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Not easy, but loving. Loving us and loving those you want us to love. We're going to worship in giving of our tithes and our offerings and of recommitting our lives to service for you, Lord. I invite you by your spirit to make us attentive to somebody we need to reach out to this week. In your name, amen. There's going to be a portion of this that's going to pop up on the screen. Please feel free to sing along with me.
mountain by the mercy tree in the spot between two thieves on the blameless prince of peace beaten battered scarred and scorned sacred head pierced by our thorns in his finished was his cry the perfect lamb was crucified his sacrifice our victory our savior chose the mercy tree Hope went dark that violent day. The whole earth quaked at love's display. Three days silent in the ground. This body born for heaven's crown. And on that bright and glorious day, when heaven opened up the grave, he's alive and risen indeed. Oh, praise him for the mercy tree. Death has died, love has won. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus Christ.
Good morning. I'm just here with a few announcements. Um, first of all, there's a white envelope that is in as an insert in your bulletin. And if you would like, we're going to have some beautiful tulips up here Easter morning. If you would like to make a donation in honor of or in memory of somebody, the proceeds will be going to help the Guatemalan mission team. So um, also thank you to the Van Lirips for the beautiful flowers this morning. And um, speaking of Easter... We will be having services at 8 o'clock, 9.45, and 11. And if you have any children between birth and pre-K, we will be having child care at the 9.45 service. And I'm trying to remember I didn't bring the whole thing in my head. There we go. There's a family. Um, there's a, a class this afternoon with Pastor Bill. There's more information in your bulletin if you're interested in joining the Faith Covenant family. And um, there is also a yellow insert um, with the pastor's ponderings, so you can find the depth and breadth of Pastor Bill's thought processes, as well as um, a great Bible study to work through for this Holy Week. And I'm not going to forget this time, Rick, you have an announcement, which is not as fun as giving the mic to Mike, but we'll give the mic to Rick. Thanks. What a uh, great privilege we have to have Pastor Bill with us as our pastor. It was about two years ago we, we hired Bill to uh, come help alongside Mary, who was overwhelmed because she was the only pastor here. Steve had retired, and it was a big job. And Mary has now moved on, and we said, go ahead, Bill. Why don't you just do all of it. <clears throat> and of course, Bill said, all right, I can do that. And it's, it is a daunting task, really. Just look at yourselves, for Pete's sake. This is a big job. So the Pastor Relations Committee um, met with Bill and, and talked about that, that this was a, a challenging task to, to be the only pastor. Um, obviously, we've got other staff members here, but the pastor of the church, really that responsibility fell to Bill. And, and we knew we needed to do something, and there were really three criteria that we had for, for bringing someone on to, to help Bill. And that was, uh, first of all, they needed to be well-qualified. The person had to have qualifications, probably an ordained minister, would be outstanding. They, they had to be available immediately, and they needed to be able to work very short term, because once we hire another pastor, this position would then go away. And, and I know those are daunting responsibilities, and, but the hardest one of all was the third one, and that was they had to be able to get along with Bill. So look as we might, we, we were able to fortunately find someone who met all of those criteria. They were very well qualified. Uh, Bill's wife, Donna, is an ordained minister. As a matter of fact, she's been recently working uh, with the Red Cross at, at the Oso uh, mudslide disaster and doing a great job for them up there. So we're very fortunate to have, to have Donna, who's available and willing to work on a very short-term basis until we hire another pastor. And so she will be working with Bill for about 10 hours a week and mainly providing responsibility over 
their shut-ins, and hospital visitation. So if you've got specific questions about that, kind of how we came to that decision or about that, um, please feel free to talk to any member of the, of the council or myself, and we'd be happy to answer those questions. Donna, why don't you stand for just a moment? Uh, I, you can, okay. <clears throat> don't, don't. Won't be able to fit her through the front door. Um, this, this is my, my wife. I just wanted you to see her face if, in case you didn't know, you know, wondered who this uh, other person was. I invite you to stand for the benediction. One thing I want to correct is on Easter services, uh, they are at 8 at 9.45 and 11.30. So join us next week for one of those offerings. And did she mention that it's child care only in the middle, middle service? Okay, good. Good. You were listening. That's a good thing. We're going to share the words on the screen here. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes to bring us salvation and deliverance. Go in peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.